Hi, Teresa. Hello. How are you doing on this beautiful but hot day? I'm doing good. Um, totally forgot to correct you, but it's pronounced Teresa. Teresa? I'm so glad that you corrected me. Awesome. Okay, Teresa, I got you. I got your back. And never be shy to correct your name because, boy, when I lived in the south of France and the French pronounced my name Triche, which is the French word for cheat, I said, nope, it's Trish. And thanks for trying. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. Why were you in the south of Greece? No, South of of France. I was a student in the South of France for a year when I did my undergrad. Um, It was a poor kid dream come true because I somehow made that happen. But um, Teresa, before we get to, like I said, I don't want to like divulge into like, this is the Trish hour. This is the Teresa hour. Um, What generation do you identify with and what year were you born? Um, I was born in 99 and there's a lot of debate on whether my year is Gen Z or millennial, but I feel like I lean probably more Gen Z. <laughs> okay. Well, what, what makes you say that as opposed to millennial? Um, I don't know. I, I grew up with social media already being like a thing. Like once I was like able to have a phone and stuff, I had an Instagram and all that. Um, I think as far as like attitudes go, I'm definitely Gen Z. Um, well, can you unpack that a little bit? Warrior stuff. <laughs> oh, what was that? Like social justice warrior stuff. That's usually categorized with Gen Z. Oh my gosh, I muted myself. Hello. Sorry about that. (laughs) What I was trying to say was, um, that's really interesting that you say that because um, as a Gen Xer, um, we use social media from the minute we could to be um, social justice warriors, Um, sharing, you know, punk music and, um, and, and going to shows and um, debating about 9-11 and whether or not we should have gone to war and all that kind of stuff. Plus, it was a Gen Xer that created not only YouTube, um, blogging, um, but also um, Twitter, not a Gen Xer, I guess it's Gen X in general. So it was actually Mm. my generation that created these platforms that we we went into 100% as um, like, let's let's talk about shit. Let's, let's see what's going on. So, um, do you, do you think that, um, people say that it's more of a Gen Z thing because, um, the things that you see on social media are only from generation Z? Yes. And no, I think of course, what I see on social media is definitely altered to be like an echo circle. So I'm talking to people around my own age and all that. Um, but I think it seemed to be more of a thing now because it's, it's popping off. Like you respect a process. Like you said, you guys created this whole platform to begin with and start out with eighties punk and all that. Um, but 
I feel like, like anything else, improvements are made, things are filtered out, things are put in, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, like right now is when we're like, oh, this is the best. But I think it's fair to respect a process. Okay. Well, and just to be fair, punk music uh, was was carried into um, even modern days. So it wasn't just 80s punk. I think it was the oh, punk no. ethos that I was... Um, referring to but um but yeah that's that's um it's interesting you say we've we've had a few guests on the show talk about social media being an echo chamber um do you tend to is that is that pretty much your experience is that you tend to stick within um your generation or have you have you um you know because black lives matter for instance that's that was started by gen xers do you ever follow um, those kind of social justice movements, or are they particularly Gen Z? And and if so, if they are particularly Gen Z, what are some of those social causes that you follow in particular? If you don't mind sharing with us fogies, old fogies. <laughs> um, well, I follow the Black Lives Matter, also the Me Too movement. Um, also started yeah. by Gen X. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't follow what generation the the starters are a part of. Um I don't know. I I follow more of what the movement's about. Yeah, okay. So, um and I'm only bringing that up uh Teresa cuz you had said um that um you know, Gen Z tend to be more social warrior. So, I guess I was really curious what it looks like from your perspective to be a social warrior, maybe you can help unpack that a little bit. Explain what you mean by that. Like advocating, showing up to marches, spreading the word, the news. I don't know. My siblings are millennials. I'm the youngest. Um, And I feel like that wasn't really so much a conversation during their youth as it was during mine. Like when I was in high school and all that, that's when gay marriage was legalized. So I remember a lot of like talk and like school, school rallies and stuff like that about it. Yeah, that was a big deal. Um, I remember texting um, my best friend and being like, oh my gosh, you and Roxy can get married now. Like it was a really exciting um, time. So um, wow, that's really great. So do you, are you involved with, do you go to rallies and, um, have you been involved with protests? I've been involved with a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, I'm doing a social work major right now, or I'm in the process of getting one. Um, and one of like the competencies is you have to advocate for your clients. So this semester I'm doing an internship and um, I'm going to have to find a way to advocate for my clients. Um, um, well, that's that's really neat. So um, as someone who did a lot of protesting against the Iraq war in the 2000s, um, when you show up to protests, um, are you are you surprised by anything in particular? Like what what is the general um, feeling? Are you, are you surprised by how large or small, um, how is there one gener one generation that is more visible than the others 
or genders or races? Um, I think that is completely subjective to like what the protest is for um, and like where it's located. Like when I was living in Flagstaff, we would not meet anything that's like similar to DC or like a Phoenix size. Um, But I feel like also location definitely affects the vibe too, because in Flagstaff, if we all got together for a rally, it was like, not a rally, a protest. Um, It was um, all like, we knew each other and it was more organized that way. Like we would make our posters together and all that. Um, But I feel like it's harder to organize on a big scale, like in Phoenix and stuff where I think that's easier for things to get out of hand and yeah well you know i saw that you had um an nau um email address i did my undergrad at nau and i concur that um when you're involved with an uh, a community like flagstaff like my listeners know that that when i moved there in 94 that was when i was like um you know, I went vegetarian. I brought my own bags to um, the store. I didn't have a car. I was supporting local businesses, like, because that's just everything about Flagstaff is about um, social justice and, and movements in general. Um, so I, I totally love the fact that you got involved with that. When you moved to Flagstaff, were you a different kind of person did Flagstaff change you or did you already kind of lean um into that kind of world um before you went there I think I was kind of leading leaning towards that kind of world but Flagstaff totally did a did a three or 180 360 on my personality I don't know um that's where I really learned how to cohabitate with people that maybe you really don't like and (laughs) learned how to make friends. And I learned how to participate in a community, which I really liked up there. Um, Just because I grew up in Phoenix and there's not a lot of community in Phoenix just because it's so big. Um, But Flagstaff, it's like you're going to run across the same place and people over and over again and um be nice to everyone because they'll show back up in your life sometimes. Yeah, we used to say that there um that every social identity or group was was completely involved with the other. So in the 90s it was like you had your punks, your ravers, your hippies, um and your maybe not so much your frat kids, but every once in a while you'd have some fraternity or sorority people kind of mingle into the art scene and Flagstaff. Um, but it was just really like that where it was just so fluid, almost like gender fluidity. Like um, we, we definitely had like um, a large um, group of us girls that we all shaved our heads, but we left our armpits and our leg hairs long, you know, and like oh there gosh. wasn't, there wasn't this, um, it, it's not the same. Like I've lived in Tucson too. And I noticed that although there's like a pretty big, um, punk rock, like bike 
bicycle anarchist collective group that's down there. It's like the love child of Phoenix and Flagstaff, right? Two yes. and, uh, um, But it still wasn't like, it was almost like these two groups shall not like intermingle, whereas Flagstaff, and that's why my heart still lives there after all these years. I haven't lived there since 2001 when I left um, um, after I graduated, but it definitely left this impression on me that like, you're right. I've lived in Phoenix now for almost seven years and I can't quite find my place here. Like yeah. I, I, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's so big and I know there's so many counterculture things happening. Um, so what, what has that been like for you leaving Flagstaff and coming back to Phoenix? What kind of a culture shock was that for you? Um, an incredible one, especially since it's so hard to find, well, I'm an outdoorsy person, so you could mingle in the climbing community, the hiking community up in Flagstaff. I'm just having trouble right now finding like good, healthy ways to meet friends. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, and there, there is a lot of hiking in, in, in Phoenix. Like I definitely, um, I've done more backpacking and um, kayaking than when I lived in Portland, for example, you know, because um, I'm wow. super outdoorsy too. Um, but yeah, I, I like how you said healthy, um, which which is really interesting that you would say that, um, Teresa, because um, I said your name right, right? Yeah. Because you're, you're, you'll correct me if I ever mess it up again, right? It might slip over my head. <laughs> Oh, okay. 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 But now that I know it's Teresa, I shouldn't ever make a Teresa. Yes. yes. Teresa, not Teresa. Anything but Teresa, really. Oh, okay. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Well, um, so kind of go back a little bit. Um, It's so interesting that you you really um, emphasized healthy ways to meet people because um, from an outsider perspective, um, your generation is the healthiest generation I've ever seen. I mean, um, it seems like everyone's going to the gym, everyone's um, eat, eating, drinking smoothies, um, <laughs> making their own food, like all the things that were super, um, you know, Flagstaff punk rock in the 90s. You guys kind of do um, as like, uh, like everyone seems to do. Can you can you kind of go a little deeper into what you mean by like, quote unquote, healthy? And do I have it wrong? Do I have the 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 vision of what your generation is wrong um I don't think you have it wrong I think people are um I don't know I feel like mental health awareness is probably what my generation has focused more on rather than like health in the sense like smoothies and hikes of course that they're all interconnected but with that being said I feel like my generation focuses on healthy living in a more psychological sense. And that's kind of what I refer to because if I'm making a friend at a bar, like the only thing we know we have in common right off the top is that we both like drinking and having fun, which isn't really bad, but that's going to be like the focal point where you have to start from. Where rather if I like met someone like out on the trails or out on the rocks and stuff, we both start off like on the, on the point that we have this like common activity that's 
healthy. And that could be even be like art, that could be music. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like we're, we're everything that our community is. Um, we reflect often, even if we were like, oh, we're very individual. Um, the only way you could have a sense of individuality is like the people around you. So I'm very, very, very particular about who I spend my time with and what we're doing when we do that. Yeah, that's that's so interesting because um, I don't know um, many Gen Zs that actually drink. So to hear that you like go to a bar mm-hmm. and, and drink like that is um, that's really different than not not that I know like millions of Gen Z, but I do work in a university and my, you know, my staff are Gen Z and um, through the podcast community, I've made friends with a lot of Gen Z throughout the world. And so, um, and none of them are drinkers. Whoa. So um, I'm, I'm really surprised to hear that um, even, um, you know, but um, is that, is that, uh, you know, that's kind of one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, what, what does it look like in this world that you guys um, have known your whole life as social media? What does it look like to hang out? And maybe you're not, the, maybe you're you're the perfect person to ask because you did your you did some studies um, up in in flat you've lived in Flagstaff which is such it's like I feel like your experience in Flagstaff is literally the exact same as mine even though twenty years separates it you know what I mean yeah um, but like yeah so what does that look like do you are you um, super social like do you when you were going to bars more, um, were you doing that like every other day, weekly, once a month? I mean, what does that look like? Um, I would say like on average, like once a week. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like socializing is a big factor that goes into me going to bars and stuff. Oh, and it always has been. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. That's literally yeah. why they were made is so people could socialize. <laughs> I mean, because they were around before the telephone even was, right? Like in the, yeah. you know, late 1800s or even before that, I'm sure. I'm, I, oh, you know, yeah. There's like, like in the like Middle Ages like, and stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's this, there's this theory on why humans decide to settle down like stop doing the hunter-gatherer societies and start doing agriculture and it's called beer theory it's like because that was the first um (laughs) farming that we did yeah my my brother loves to talk about um how everyone says it's wheat that made us farmers but he was like no it was barley (laughs) i love that i love that you know that how did you know that um a weirdo. I don't know. I'm a nerd. I spend my free time trying to learn stuff and watching my history, anthropology documentaries and stuff. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah, that is the best. I mean, and how amazing was it to grow up with with um with Google? I mean, by the time you were using it, it's it's like the when I was using it in 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 the olden days, it was not the Google that you know today. I mean, it was really um, archaic and hard to, I mean, it worked, but it sure wasn't the amazing, like, I love being able to like watch a movie and be like, Oh, I want to look up rock Hudson, you know, or like whatever, like 
this director or like, who's in this and why do I recognize them? Like, do you find yourself doing that a lot when you're watching um, movies or TV? Sometimes I, I don't really follow a lot of the celebrity stuff just because I'm really bad at remembering names. I'm like, Oh, it's that one guy. (laughs) But I feel like when I'm watching like movies from like an earlier time period or a different place, I'll be like, Oh my God, what is that food? And then (laughs) spend 20 minutes on Google trying to figure out what they're eating in that scene or (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like yeah. that's how, Rock Hudson, for instance, he's an actor that died in like 1985. He was the first celebrity to ever come out with having AIDS and died of it. And so, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's who that is. And then you just go down this rabbit hole, this wormhole of like <laughs> all of these things, which is like so amazing. Um, so you never actually went to a library to look up books to do your your papers for school did you no never (laughs) yeah so we have a mutual friend um my niece Megan um because she's marrying into my um into my sort of family which I always put quotes around my brother but um you know he's my oldest friend we've known each other for over you know 30 30 some odd years um when when she was on the podcast last year, I told her about the card catalog and the Dewey Decimal System, and she was <laughs> like, "I don't even understand these words that you're using." And I was like, "Wow, that's so wild! Like, that's in my lifetime. That's gone from the only way to find information to completely obscure and and just gone, completely gone. Like that is so amazing. And I'm sure um, any any listener that's in um, the older millennials and, and older can appreciate that, like, yeah, this is a really different experience to have grown up completely and 100% online. Um, so a lot of people worry that because of your exposure to being on social media so young, I'm sure you know this because you sound like you're a very with it person, um, but that it has really caused the increase of um, teenage suicide, as well as um, just the diminished um, self-worth um, and things like that. Because you're studying um, in that kind of s- sort of world-ish, um, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a couple actually. <laughs> and um, they're just opinions, no facts. <laughs> Well, I think that's what I I didn't, I didn't ask, you know, like the doctoral, you know, chair of Yale to come on to talk about this. I'm literally asking for opinions. That's what's so beautiful about a podcast is having random people come on and be like, well, this is how I view the world, right? Because then it helps us all kind of, I don't know, just share the experience. Learn how to listen. It's good. Yeah. I think that just from like a monkey level, like we're supposed to be interacting with each other in person through facial like expressions. Like I, I feel like a lot of communication is body language and things that aren't exactly like words, you know? Um, so I feel like socialization 
still needs to be like centered because we're not happy when we're not being social. And even though it's like on a screen, it's, it's manufactured kind of. And it's not Um, give and take, right? There's not an exchange happening in real time usually. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes us less focused, less mindful of what we're doing in a like moment. Um, Just because you're doing homework, that thing's buzzing, you're half in that conversation, half in what's happening in front of you. And I think that makes your brain confused, honestly. Um, And I feel like we get celebrity syndrome when we're on social media because it's a 24-7 performance. Like it's normal for humans to perform time to time, but then... You go in your cave and you rest and cash all that useless, useless stuff that happened and then go out and perform again. But social media doesn't let us have that real time to to just like unpack and be be alone. Right. And it doesn't allow for us to um, actually um, disconnect for long periods of time. So. Um, you talk, I, I love your analogy, by the way, of like performing and then going in the cave and, um, you know, so many people barely even, um, sleep a whole night through without checking their phone. And, um, you know, and it's the first thing that people, um, look at when they wake up and the last thing, um, they think about or look at before bed. Um, whereas like, you don't, you didn't always just go in your cave to sleep. I mean, you might've gone in there to, um, relax and rest. So it was a lot more than just like an eight hour period of like no socialization. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, I love that you're, that, that you're with that. Um, do you find that you're a minority in your generation or do you think that feels this way or do you feel like there is a shift because, um, you know, one thing we do on this podcast is we kind of, um, while we're trying to destroy ageism, we still want to kind of examine people within their age groups and then we can tear that down. Does that make sense? So we're putting yeah. things in pockets just so that we can rip the pocket open. But, um, you know, the whole um, celebrity culture and um, social media culture and like posting. I remember the first time I ever saw someone post their food on the Internet. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um I thought that was the weirdest thing because that wasn't what my generation was using social media for. Again, it was to like to, you know, rally um, for protests or punk shows or, you know, um, uh, debate. Um, So, you know, social matters and politics. And then along comes this generation that's like, look at my shoes or, (laughs) you know, like, here's my isn't this a cute like um, you know, vegan scramble. And of course I got swept into that. I, I mean, actually I didn't even want to have an Instagram page for the longest time because I just was so fed up with uh, this, this platform, this platform, like it just was coming so quickly from the yeah. first one that I had in 2001, that it was just like, Oh, I go, I don't want to keep doing these things. But, um, do you, do you feel like there's a shift now the other way where it's like, your generation may be trying to move away from 
those sort of platitudes of what social media kind of turned into in the last 10 years? Um, yes and no. I There's definitely subgroups out there that are like trying to get off the social media. I don't think, I think I'm an outlier as far as um, my generation goes, but I think ever since that documentary came out, what was it called? Um, the, the social network. Yes. Ever since I came out, I heard more people being like, oh, I want to get off social media, but I actually got off most social media like a couple years ago. I <laughs> lost my phone in the Nevada sun- or sand dunes. Um, nice. That is exactly where you should lose a cell phone. <laughs> That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> Um, and I was really broke at the time. So I was like, Oh, I'm gonna have to get money in order to get a phone and figure all this out. Um, and I was off my phone for a couple weeks. And I was like, Yeah, I just want to not have that in my life. I was so productive. I was so in every moment, I enjoyed everything I did so much better just not having the option to check the time every two seconds or see what's up with their group chat every two seconds. Um, so to this day, I'm trying to stay away from it, but I'm entering this new dilemma where a lot of the professional field is on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. So I'm in this like weird, like I'm trying to walk this tight line where it's like, what is a, healthy amount of social media that I could have versus like, or like in correlation to um, being a working human being in this society. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally get that. When I took two months off of my podcast, um, I really used that time to just sort of like, not really be on social media anymore. And like, maybe jump on and look at stuff every once in a while, but definitely not um, producing content because obviously with a podcast, like the only way people are going to know about you is if you market it. Right. And, and, and I got into this whole thing um, with one of my Gen Z mentors that was like, okay, we can create this whole um, marketing scheme for you. And it was like, the deeper we got into it, Teresa, I was like, oh, the last thing I want to do is put this much energy into getting more downloads and more followers. Like I was just like so overwhelmed that it was like, you know, I don't I don't think that I really care if I really have like a, you know, twenty thousand dollar or sorry, twenty thousand download podcast if it means that. I have to devote that much time to social media. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I can see, and I also see it in in my job where, um, you know, there's now workshops um, that like parts of my department do for other universities to teach them how to have a better social media presence. And I'm just like, whoa, Whoa, that's so weird. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely um it's definitely here to stay for sure. Well, okay then, what is your um what is your preferred social media platform? If you if you only had one that you 
could keep or or the one that you kept since you said that you're kind of <laughs> you, you you kind of uh, went away for it from it for a bit um I kept Snapchat just because it's Whoa, like your generation still does Snapchat I thought yes. everyone was on TikTok <laughs> And that that has I haven't heard anyone talk about Snapchat in like a couple years. Oh no, I need to stay such off. Such a fun. Of it's such a fun. Do. You need to stay off it, you said. Is that what you said? Well, yeah, I cannot get an account. I got an account for like two days and wasted like two whole days on TikTok. <laughs> I can't oh, yeah. tune out of it. <laughs> TikTok is like, and I love that um, it deals with the algorithms of the things that you're interested in because um, mine's all social justice warriors. Like they and they span from the LBGTQIA plus community to like um, Gen Gen Xers that are like trying to make sure, like, hey, you guys, we were here too, and 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 we were here first, <laughs> yeah. and 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 like to um, you know, like all of these amazing Native American um, TikTokers that um, have these awesome um, pages, and I don't know, it's just, and then I I talk to other people, they're like, yeah, I just get girls in bikinis by a swimming pool dancing they're like Trish there's nothing social justice about TikTok and I'm like oh man what are you watching in your spare time that made TikTok think that's what you should be interested in I'm just saying (laughs) (laughs) like your phone doesn't lie it's that interconnected (laughs) I, I would have a healthy mix of both girls in bikinis and social justice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So, um, so did social media, um, do you feel like your desire to kind of be without it, did it affect you negatively growing up? Or is this just the Flagstaff zeitgeist where when you're involved in that beautiful mountain air and those crisp blue skies and those beautiful aspens that are golden in October, um, do you feel like um, that's like that's what kind of made you not be so into social media or did you have like um any bad experiences growing up with it always in your face I don't think really either um that's a great answer (laughs) I said that's a great answer (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like I didn't have any bad experience growing up with it thank god um and Flagstaff was definitely a nice place to get off it, but I I just like made that decision as like I said I didn't have like any any money, so I was kind of forced into it and within a day I was like, yeah, this is how I want to be. I just forgot this was an option. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, because you technically have never been exposed to that option. Yeah. <laughs> Like what I have to I have to sit with my own thoughts for a second. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, that is uh, there's you know a, a long running joke, and those of us that are Gen X and older always say, and that is like we're so grateful that social media wasn't around when we were coming up because we were just like we were able to like like you said be so much more in the moment, and even if people were like busting out like cameras 
you know, like even if they were like disposable cameras, everyone would be like, oh man, like don't take a picture of this. Like, because um, yeah. <laughs> it killed the mood, you know, like if everyone's sitting in a circle and they're like, you know, maybe they're just like smoking pot and pontificating about the expansion of the universe. Cause that's real <laughs> shit that happened in the nineties and flex. Oh, that still happens. Sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> um, but then, you know, to have someone jump up and break the circle of consciousness to take a picture of all of us doing that would have been so um in ev- invasive yeah like spiritual like spiritual rape almost because it's like why are you trying to um exploit this moment did you ever feel that way um where you were like god can we just not take a picture of this sunset like can we just be inside of it yes totally and i've i like traveling as a hobby and I run into an issue where it's like, I have like two pictures from a trip and then everyone's like, oh my God, did it even happen? I'm like, yeah, I was gone for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible that that's, uh, that that's such in, an embedded um, psychology uh, or mental view of the world is like, if it, if it's not posted, it didn't happen. And it's like, um, or I did an experience, like I can't trust someone else's account of their experience. Right. Yeah. Or, or just like, um, instead of like, like there's the other side too, right. Where it's like, I have friends that will post like, you know, 36 pictures of their trip. And it's like, listen, none of us wanted to look at your slides or pictures back in the day then like five tops like let me be able to take a look at it for a second and get a gist I'd rather hear the story I'd rather you tell me what it smelled like or how it felt like or like yeah that's cool but also too um and and being like a, a huge nature buff and and traveler myself I've always said that like your camera's a traitor because it doesn't translate what you see like Every picture of the Grand Canyon is busted because when you get to the right, because when you get to the Grand Canyon, you're just like, whoa, well, hey, my generation has been using that term for a while. So I love it. I love Um, it. But you know what I mean, though? Like you're you get to the Grand Canyon, you go, damn, that's not at all what I was expecting. That like weird vertigo feeling and just this like vibration of the rocks as the sun setting and the colors change. And you're like, oh, it's really far away, but it's close. And you can see the different sort of angles of the rocks. I mean, you can't get that out of a photograph. Yeah. No, you can't. You really can't. And I don't know. I feel like on the subject of using social media as like recounting like a little journal. (laughs) Um, It's so nice getting out of the loop that you need feedback for absolutely everything. Wow. Yes. Yes. I love that you said that you don't need feedback about how beautiful your dinner is. Yeah. (laughs) And we've all beautiful you are. Like, right. I, I don't know. I feel like, it's good in the sense where it's like we could be more connected to people where it's where it's like hard to be connected to people like distance and stuff like that. But like distance and solitude is like very, very healthy. Yeah, it definitely is. And and it's also like um, I, I really 
don't like liking pictures of people that post themselves because I feel like I'm encouraging that behavior when it's like, I don't want to take a pic. I don't want to like a picture that you're posting on social media because I don't want you to think that that that's the only thing that I'm going to like on your page. Yeah. And actually, I kind of, and, and sorry to all my friends out there, I kind of go out of my way to not like it because no. I don't want to encourage it. <laughs> like, um, I'm not someone that puts a lot of myself on and, and my Instagram page when I started it was 99.9% um, my adventures of just like, a, a, you know, a picture or a few of like an adventure I took, but um, rarely would I have pictures of me and, um, and it's really um, prevalent in my generation, you know, these like, you know, hashtag fabulous and 40 um, and they're, and they're like <laughs> slutty looking. And I'm just like, whoa, like, whoa. can we not revert to like, um, I'm, I, I only feel fabulous if I'm showing my cleavage or my underwear and, you know, like, can't, can't we just be oh. like fabulous and 40, like me and I'm just gray haired and, you know, yay. Well, <laughs> here's here's my new band t-shirt. <laughs> you take a photo dressed in whatever you want just for you and have the ability to not just show it to someone else to see how you look. Just right. look at it and be like, oh, I look good. You know? Bravo. Because that's the only affirmation that really truly counts at the end of the day. That's right. That's right. Um, I hope everyone out there heard that because that is absolutely 100% true. It doesn't matter how many likes you get because you're probably going to have a friend like me that's not going to like it just simply because we don't want you to think that the only your only validation is this picture you've posted about yourself. Yeah. And I feel like as far as the word, I, I don't think that nudity or, or any of that is like really an issue though. And I think the word slut um, objectifies women more than performing in quote unquote, say slutty behaviors. Aha. Okay. I'm so happy you said that because there is definitely um, the, 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 the difference in our generations is that you guys are very concrete about when you hear a term, it triggers you. And, and I appreciate that because it allows my generation to go, okay, let me explain to you what I mean by a slutty picture. If the picture is such where the woman is placing her body in a suggestive manner that that is a hundred percent known as a sexual um, manner, um, uh-huh. and they're doing that for everyone else to look at. Slutty may not be the correct term, but it still bothers me as a feminist that that's how we want to portray ourselves for likes. So, um, so there, but there, I feel like there is something wrong with that. I really applaud, um, people for, you know, we don't want to body shame and we don't want, and we want to have body positivity, but there's a part of me that thinks that there, there should be a line though. Like there's certain things that, that I feel like we don't hold sacred anymore. And I feel like we, 
allow this almost pornographic mentality to be on display on social media that women like me who um, really have tried to fight all these years to redefine what being a woman is. Um, I, I, I just feel like we're going backwards in time. Do you know what I mean? There is a, especially on the topic of sexualization and, participating in sex, I think this is where feminists from my generation and your generation tend to butt heads a bit because there's kind of a double-edged sword as a woman. It's like you could take pictures in your band t-shirt and go through life and not that interested in sex or displaying yourself as a sexual person whatsoever. And you're called a prude. You do. Then you respect your own sexual health and go out, have sex, or even present in a sexual manner, and then you're a slut. So, but there's no, no way, like both of those instances do not apply for men. So I feel like making more rules around sexual expression for a woman is just creating a different box to put them in isn't really liberating them. Interesting. Um, Yeah, I definitely respect what you're saying about that. I think the point really being more, um, and I was never called prudish with with refusing to um, show um, more skin, I guess, in my in my Instagram. Um, I don't think the world's quite that black and white. So I, I think I think it's more of a And this is why it's so great to have a podcast like this, because I can have people like you on and have this conversation because I think what um, what is damaging is damaging is when we tell another generation what they're thinking or saying and what they mean instead of asking, Um, because when you say that um, we're we're putting women in boxes, um, that's that's like definitely not what what I perceive um, that and 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 it sounds like to me that you know you're the one that's kind of putting us in different places because you're like this is why our generations are butting heads in feminism instead of saying say that in a confrontational way I'm just saying no like I've had this conversation with my mom where we both consider ourselves feminists but it's interesting to see how time hasn't has affected that and I wonder where that conversation took a turn yeah Uh, and 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 just for the record I didn't I didn't mean to say that you were confrontational it's just the way that you approach it you're already singling us out does that make sense so with your words saying this is how our generations are 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 keeping feminism from moving forward um which is it's not bad or good. It's just, that's interesting that that's like, that's where almost where we're ending the conversation. It's like, Oh, well, your generation looks at feminism this way. So we can't really, it's kind of your fault that we're not moving forward or. Well, no, um, I didn't say any of that. I don't, I don't think that it's a matter of moving forward or backwards. It's just an interpretation. Like we're looking at the same goal. Like I'm just looking at the feet and you're looking at the hands, you know? Yeah. Okay. So how do we, how do we start to look at the whole body instead of getting hung up for 10 minutes on, you know, each other's verbiage? How do we get 
every generation, because one of the big things of this season is I'm trying to unpack ageism. And how do we come to the table and and instead of like, oh, this person's of that age, so this is going to be their view. Um, And I don't know if you have an answer to this, but what how how do we get if because I mean, imagine, right, if we could get all women on the same page, then we could really maybe move the needle in a much faster and more dynamic way. Would you agree? Yeah, but I think respecting like intersectionality and like what I mean by that being like there's like what you're saying like there's different factors like the black girl and the white girl are going to go through different experience of um feminism depending on race like there's other factors like that age location belief that go into it where I think a lot of um where it would just look like a different thing for everyone so I'm trying to think of how to explain that better. By the way, you made me sound way cooler than I am because I definitely didn't bring up race in terms of um, <laughs> feminism. <laughs> so, um, but that is such a great point. So I'm glad that you brought that up because there there is a whole other realm of, um, you know, what gender identity is that's even brings in people who identify as female that maybe not we're not born female. And that's a whole other part of feminism and the conversation that needs to be included, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, so I feel like each person, according to their own groups and um, experiences, have different catered needs um, that need to be addressed. Um Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I guess at the end of the day, my ask to all of our listeners and, and, um, and each other, you and me both, um, is how do we, how do we move the needle for, um, for women and those who identify as women in, in a productive and, and, and powerful movement? Um, and you know, I, I learned something today. I definitely should not disregard the women in my age group that now have discovered their sexuality and want to post it online. Still feel a little uncomfortable even saying that out loud. I'm not going to lie. Um, because I feel like it, like, oh, sexualization of bodies is, is like, it's so, it's so hard to not see that as such a big part of why um, we're not moving forward in the fight against equality. Um, but but I definitely enjoyed having this conversation with you about that because I, I like to think of myself as very em- 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 empathetic. Um, and, and wow, you just definitely made me think about some things. So I really appreciate that, Teresa. That, what, that is why we have to have conversations with people in different generations, for sure. Um, but at this point, we have gotten to the part of the podcast where we are going to do our rapid fire questions. Tress, are you ready for that? Yes. I am so excited to ask you these questions because I never know what's going to be answered um, in non-Gen X groups, um, uh, any other generation, right? Um, so the first one being, what's your favorite memory from childhood? Um. 
Mine's a little goofy. There is my next door neighbor was my age and our dads were trimming trees and we both got these sticks and literally played with sticks together for like two years after. <laughs> two years. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that sometimes they were swords. Sometimes they're like Gandalf staffs. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you're speaking to someone who represents a generation of only having um, you know, we had to be outside from like the minute the sun came up to the minute the sun went down and <laughs> everything was, um, you know, up for grabs. We didn't always have access to our, like our toy boxes outside. Um, so I love hearing that. Um, what it, do you have a favorite 80s band or musician? And if so, who would they be? And you can say, I don't like any of that music. That's totally acceptable. I love all that music. I'm a sucker for the oldies. Uh, <laughs> oh, it pains me that you called that the oldies because my generation yeah. called like Chuck Berry and Ella Fitzgerald the, the oldies. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I love oldies too. <laughs> it shouldn't be too though. It's like, that's like a 40 year difference of music. <laughs> Genre wise and everything, but whatever. I digress. I feel like Queen would be my favorite if I had to choose one. What do you have a favorite 80s movie? Was Pulp Fiction 80s? Nope, that came out in 1994, the oh. year I went to college cuz I saw it in the theater next to the NAU um campus. Um that I have to say risky business. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Um, did you, oh, you, so did you go to NAU when, I mean, cause I saw your email address. Is that, so you did go to NAU? Yes, I am currently on my last semester, but since it's all online, I reckon I would oh. save and rent and do it down here. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, yeah, smart choice. Um, why did you go to college then? Honestly, because it was the next step. I wish I took gap years after high school. Oh, years. We only ever talked about a gap year, but now, yeah, maybe taking a few years off would. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You don't really know that much about yourself at 18 and mm. definitely not even now do I know exactly what I want to be doing, what I want my purpose to be. Um, Teresa, I, think- I changed my major seven times. I had no business going to college right after <laughs> high school. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> oh, man. Well, and, and Teresa, this is my favorite question to ask. If you had a bit of advice for um, anyone in any generation, older, younger, or, um, or your own generation, um, or all of the above, either to get through the bad times or just life advice in general, what would you say? Um, I think it's, have you ever heard the concept of a favor bank? Ooh, I feel like the words give out what that means, but I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. I read a book, uh, this woman writer, she, um, it's called Tales of a, no- of a Female Nomad. And it is what it sounds like. It's just a girl traveling um, as her lifestyle. And um, she introduced me to this concept of a favor bank and like the world being like a favor bank. So 
pretty much you allow people to do favors for you because it allows them to put in a deposit and then later in time, like you could pull out a deposit. Like I feel like we are all more interconnected than we accredit ourselves to be. Um, And being good to others is being good to yourself. Beautiful. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for taking time to share your voice today. Thank you for creating this platform where I can. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.